0: Episode 7 The Continents on the Chain of Christianity.
1: Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co
0: host, Brian Hall. In our last episode, uh, we talked about the chain of Christianity with events and key individuals. Today, we're going to talk about the continents in the chain of Christianity.
1: So, Brian, what was it like for you when you were in school and you studied geography? Way back then? Way back then.
0: All I remember is that uh, there's basically a big map, and you had to remember all the different places and just where they were on the map. That was geography. What about you?
1: Well, as many people may know, I was homeschooled for much of my formal education, and we used a Christian curriculum that we got from a Christian school. And I remember kind of the same thing, that we would learn about locations on the map and specific features, but we would also have a Bible verse sprinkled here or there about how God was the creator and he created the geography and things like that. But we never were taught a providential view of geography, I didn't start to learn about that until we started to homeschool our own children with the the NOAA plan curriculum, and I think it was in the kindergarten curriculum when we had a geography lesson that started to go into those details, which were so fascinating, and I remember feeling so enriched in my own education while teaching our children from a kindergarten curriculum because it's talking about the Bible principles and a providential view, which you know isn't limited to a certain grade or age level so
0: yeah that was very uh, interesting to me because when it was explained um the way the principal approach explains it it really brings it to life and like you don't think about okay what does you know the geography have to do with you know the history timeline mm-hmm. and uh, why were certain aspects of history started certain places and then went elsewhere
1: Mm-hmm. I think before we dive into more about the principal approach to geography, I'd like to share with you from Psalm 24, 1-2, through 2, which says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. And then there are two more Bible verses that I want to share with you guys that pertain to this providential view. But before I do that, I want to read some thoughts from Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible regarding Psalm 24, 1 through 2. He says, Here is God's absolute propriety in this part of the creation where our lot is cast. We are not to think that the heavens, even the heavens only, are the Lord's, and the numerous and bright inhabitants of the upper world and that this earth, being so small and inconsiderable part of the creation, and at such a distance from the royal palace above is neglected, and that he claims no interest in it. No, even the earth is his, and this lower world, and though he has prepared the throne of his glory in the heavens, yet his kingdom rules over all, and even the worms of this earth are not below his cognizance, nor from under his dominion. When God gave the earth to the children of men, He still reserved to himself the property, and only let it out to them as tenants. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The mines that are lodged in the bowels of it, even the richest, the fruits it produces, all the beasts of the forest and the cattle upon a thousand hills, our lands and our houses, and all the improvements that are made on this earth by the skill and industry of man are all his. These indeed in the kingdom of grace are justly looked upon as emptiness, For they are vanity of vanities, nothing to a soul. But in the kingdom of providence, they are fullness. The earth is full of God's riches, so is the great and wide sea also. The parts and regions of the earth are the Lord's, all under his eye, all in his hand. So that wherever a child of God goes, he may comfort himself with this, that he does not go off his Father's ground. That which falls to our share of the earth and its productions is but lent to us, it is the Lord's. What is our own against all the world is not so against his claims. That which is most remote from us as that which passes through the paths of the sea, or is hidden in the bottom of it, is the Lord's, and he knows where to find it. And he continues on with a few more thoughts pertaining to verse 1, but I want to go ahead and jump down to verse 2 and share his thoughts on that. The ground of this propriety... The earth is his by an indisputable title, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. It is his, for he made it, formed it, founded it, and fitted it for the use of man. The matter is his, for he made it out of nothing. The form is his, for he made it so that he is sole, entire, and absolute owner, and none can let us a title to any part, but by, from, and under him. He made it so as no one else could. It is the creature of omnipotence, for it is founded upon the seas, upon the floods, a weak and unstable foundation, one would think." but to build the earth upon, and yet, if almighty power please, it shall serve to bear the weight of this earth. The waters which at first covered the earth and rendered it unfit to be a habitation for man were ordered under it, that the dry land might appear, and so they are as a foundation to it. He continues it. He has established it, fixed it, so that though one generation passes and another comes, the earth abides. And his providence is a continued creation. The founding of the earth upon the floods should remind us how slippery and uncertain all earthly things are. Their foundation is not only sand, but water. It is therefore our folly to build upon them. And I think that those thoughts segue beautifully into Isaiah forty-two twelve, 12, where it says, Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. And then... Isaiah 24 15 says therefore in the east give glory to the lord exalt the name of the lord the god of israel in the islands of the sea and how the islands of the sea ties into this whole conversation about the continents is that the continents are islands of the sea i never looked at it that way before that noah plan lesson
0: neither have i
1: you know i think that Some people might argue that. However, if you look up the definition of island in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says a tract of land surrounded by water. So you're looking at super large land masses that are surrounded by water. They are islands of the sea. Now, here's a question for you, Brian, and our listeners. Have you ever considered it interesting that there are seven continents and that seven is the number of Messiah.
0: I had not considered that.
1: It was really astonishing to look at that and tie that in with the verse that talks about how the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I don't know if it really has any significance, but I thought that was really interesting.
0: It is interesting.
1: So you have a quote from Arnold Guyot? Yes. Now, could you give us a little bit of a background on who Arnold Guyot is?
0: He was a geographer from the uh, 1800s, and he was a Christian, and this is one of his quotes. The forms, the arrangement, and the distribution of land masses on the surface of the globe, accidental in appearance, reveal a plan which can be understood by the unfolding of history. And that was a quote from him in 1873
1: an unfolding of history is extremely important and key when looking at geography from a providential view of history and that's because we have three continents that we consider to be the continents of history and then there are three that are considered to be the continents of antiquity so the first continent is asia and that's known as
0: the continent of origins
1: and um Or, you know, for younger children, it might be easier for them to understand it as the continent of beginnings, and that's where we see not only the geographical center of the human race, and just to give some context to the word race, we're talking about the biblical definition, which is a lineage of family or a continued series of descendants from a parent. And, um, you know, Webster's 1828 Dictionary goes on to define it as a race is a series of descendants indefinitely. Thus, all mankind are called the race of Adam. The Israelites are of the race of Abraham and Jacob. Thus, we speak of a race of kings, the race of Clovis or Charlemagne, a race of nobles, etc. So, it has nothing to do with the world's definition of race, which pertains to skin tone. So, Going back to what we learned from Rosalie Slater is that Western Asia is not only the geographical center of the human race, but it is moreover the spiritual center. It's the cradle of man's moral nature. So that's where the divine teachings from Christ were proclaimed. It's where communities were cultivated in regard to you know treasures like treasures of the truth from God's word. It's where God's chosen people lived. Okay, and that's where our Savior was born and raised, where he preached, where he ministered, where he was crucified and buried and raised again and ascended to heaven. Um, It's where the gospel originated and ended up being spread westward from.
0: And it was also, the uh, if you look at the climate of Asia... Um it's where it's the perfect climate for preserving the scrolls and the documents that uh, we have used for a moral compass. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, then we look at Europe, which is west of Asia. And when we study about Paul's missionary journeys, we learned that he travels from Asia to Europe, so he's taking the gospel. Westward.
0: just want to add real fast that Europe is considered the continent of development. And also they have, um, with Europe, you have, as a continent, you have distinct nationalities that have formed uh, due to their closer proximity to one another. Mm-hmm. And they also have similar climates in that area as well. And that also allowed for better communications since they're closer proximity than in Asia.
1: Yeah, and the weather was more mild, so it was easier to travel and help the gospel spread further westward within Europe. Yes. And Europe also has more of a coastline than any other continent, so it wasn't as hard to travel, to travel around Europe as it was in Asia. And it wasn't only easier for people to share the gospel, but it was easier for people to be able to communicate, to share ideas. So eventually, over time, we see that God helps some men in Europe to understand the ideas of government, his principles of government that we find in his word, and those ideas eventually help form the United States of America. So then, traveling westward further, we end up with the Protestant Reformation taking place, and eventually the separatists. And Puritans, or pilgrims and Puritans, end up coming to the shores in North America. And North America is known as the most complete expression of the Christian civilization. Or we could also say that it's the most complete form of the gospel expressed in civil government.
0: So during this whole uh, time period when uh, people were being prepared and learning about uh, God's providential plan for government, uh, America was being preserved and protected until it was ready.
1: Right, because there wasn't a, you know, a, a nation, a single nation that was formed on the land here yet. There were tribes, which if you study nation making is very interesting because when you see how governments are formed and how it changes over time and how... The coming of Christ and the gospel ended up even changing governments further to, you know, like America having a Christian form of government because of the gospel and the law of God. Um, That was lacking over in North America among the tribes.
0: So America was um, basically prepared to receive a ready-made civilization.
1: By a people, though, that were prepared with the gospel and an understanding of God's law. And liberty. And liberty, so, um, now that's not to say that the other continents didn't have God's word shared with them, we're just looking at how the march of history has brought the gospel from Asia to North America
0: and basically gives them a, a fresh start with their government.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about more of nation making in a different episode, but for now, we're just helping you see how to look at geography with a providential view and how God has planned has had plans and purposes for the continents over the course of history. So, when we talk about the continents of antiquity, when we're looking at the map of you know, a map of the world, we can see that the continents of history are paired up with continents of antiquity.
0: Right. So, like if you look at Australia, it's paired up with Asia. Mhm. And that one um, basically has many rare animals and plants. Mm
1: -hmm. And then Africa is paired up with Europe, and Africa has the grandest kind of animals.
0: And then South America is paired up with North America, and uh, it has the most beautiful plants of the continents. Mm
1: -hmm. And something to consider about Antarctica is that it may very well help control the climate on the Earth. It's pretty fascinating because you think in in our solar system we have the sun which gives us the source of our heat well where would we get the source of cold so it is something to consider with mm-hmm. with the climate of antarctica helping to control the heat and the coolness of the earth
0: yeah very interesting so when we, we study geography we have to look at not just where it's at on the map we have to look at what has, is god's plan for these continents and how Um, He has prepared each continent and each time period to move his word and his um, message westward.
1: Right. And also, geography needs to be honored as its own individual subject. If we clump it together in something called social studies, We're going to overlook God's providence, his care and provision, his plan and purpose for the continents with the purpose of spreading the gospel across the globe. And then also having a nation that is formed differently from all the other nations over history. And America actually had the benefit of looking back at the old world history to see what they did well and what they didn't do well but also to take into consideration God's principles of government at the founding of our nation.
0: Yeah, and they they had experienced firsthand the different forms of government, and they knew um, from the Bible and from experience um, how to form a government that would work.
1: Mm -hmm. So we hope that this helps you have a picture of providential history, providential geography, and how they correlate with each other but are yet distinct. Subjects. So, if you want to learn more, then um, you can find more information in teaching and learning America's Christian history, which is one of the red books. And um, there's the No Plan History and Geography Curriculum Guide that goes more in depth about uh, geography as well. When it comes to topographical studies and um,
0: map making,
1: map making. Right, the students do map making and they follow a map standard. And they also cover some of the key individuals that God used to help move the gospel westward in geography. And also you can get a copy of Physical Geography by Arnold Guyot. You can purchase a copy or you can also find it in the public domain online to use in your studies. So we hope that this has inspired you and helps you and gives you some things to consider to tie into your homeschool studies with your students.
0: Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com. Check out our shop and our blog. And you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles. Also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: All right. Well, this is Heather Hall.
0: And this is Brian Hall.
1: For Christ and His glory.